Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Coffee and Books. I'm your host, Scott. Hope all of you are doing well today. On this podcast, this is a new special manga edition. Uh, this is Roni Kenshin Volume uh, 2. If you haven't already listened to Volume 1, I highly recommend it, so that way you can follow what's going on. Um, a lot of the names and characters are fairly complicated, so I highly recommend if you haven't been keeping up with it already, please be sure to check out Volume 1. Also, before we begin as well, if you're new to this podcast, hi, I'm Scott. I like to review coffee. I like to review books. I want to hear from you. Please feel free to rate and review this podcast or also feel free to email me what you want to listen to next or check out my WordPress blog as well or my Patreon account. Uh, Please feel free to uh, email me at scott, S-C-O-T-T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16 at yahoo.com. I would love to want to hear from you, and I want to know what you want me to review next, of course. Okay, so like I said, Volume 1, if you haven't already started there, you need to start there first. In this sequence of events, we're going to kind of jump to what was happening. In Chapter 7, where we left off, was where Roroni Kenshin, the main hero of the story, is fighting against Sanosuke, the fight merchant. Uh, so Kenshin uses a flurry of attacks, uh, attacks Sanosuke, but Sanosuke has an incredible endurance and is able to withstand most of it. Um, we go to a flashback in which Sanosuke was a boy and looked up to a captain in the Sahiko army. Um, so he looks up to Captain Sozo. And so the Sahiko army, if you don't know, during a revolutionary period between the shoguns and eventually what would be the more modern Meiji period, is a time period in history that was very controversial in Japan. Uh, the Sahiko army was a group of peasants, primarily farmers, and people who took up the revolution. Uh, primarily their job was to spread the word of lower taxes, and they were sort of gathering intelligence, and they were working on kind of the sidelines. Uh, this person, Sozo, was betrayed by a group of people in the revolution because he held claims that, you know, that, you know he spread the claims about the taxes being lowered, in which case the new government couldn't keep its promises and therefore uh, you know, said that this person was causing incredible damage to our reputation and they just decided to execute him. Uh, so Sanosuke was a boy when this happened and looked up to Sozo as a father figure, which is what enrages him and makes him you know, determined to keep fighting uh, Kenshin because he views Kenshin as part of this revolution. Um, you know, like Kenshin is the patriot, you know, he's the assassin, the person who represents all this that, you know, Senosuke is fighting against. Uh, if you also remember from the first episode, there were two brothers that were sort of twins that were evil. Um, in volume one, they take out a gun and they try to shoot Kenshin. This happens again in volume two as well. Uh, so they shoot a bullet at Kenshin, who in an incredible imagery and scene, he stops the bullet in mid-trajectory with his sword hilt, which is incredibly cool. I gotta say, I gotta ramble about that for a second. And then, of course, the gun is fired upon by at the innocent civilians. Um, Sanosuke does not stand for this, and he starts attacking the brothers who had initially hired him to fight Kenshin. Uh, but basically, those brothers are easily defeated, and then the fighting continues between Kenshin and Sanosuke as it is supposed to be to the death. Um, so that is the end of chapter 8. In chapter 8, Sanosuke begins to continue his fight against Kenshin. He begins spinning his massive sword around as like a centrifuge. Uh, Kenshin uses his strength. You know, remember, this is a dull sword that Kenshin has, and he 
cuts the you know the giant sword that Sanosuke is carrying in half, um, makes the sword fall apart. It's incredible. Uh, Sanosuke refuses to fall, even though Kenshin is repeatedly attacking him. But eventually, Kenshin asks, and what is one of my favorite quotes? Uh, doesn't he have the wrong opponent? You know, was he supposed to kill people, or was he supposed to complete the revolution? And Sanosuke refutes his claim by saying that the revolution created a world of greed and lies caused by these people. Um, and, you know, he holds Kenshin responsible. But then Kamaya shouts that Kenshin isn't like the others, and that Kenshin says that there are those of us that do desire a better world, where the weak aren't exploited. So even though he is unworthy, he's trying to offer a sword as aid to the weak, and this is how he is atoning for all the crimes he's committed as an assassin. Uh, with that, Sanosuke gives up the fight, and he sort of accepts his, you know, Kenshin's explanation. And then, of course, they get a medical assistance after all this. Uh, the next day, the three run into Sanosuke, who's already fighting again, and he says that it's good for business, because it makes him look kind of weak, so he can make some money back. But he says that he's decided to stick around, and to see if Kenshin will stick to his ideals and principles. He wants to see that Kenshin is the good person that he says he's become. In Chapter 9, a mysterious assailant attacks his victims using a stair and paralyzes his opponents. The next day at the dojo, the police chief appears, asking Kenshin and Sanosuke for help. There's a serial killer, Kurugasa, who has appeared in town on a murderous spree. He's targeting former revolutionary warriors. Above all, what they know about him is that he has this incredible power to paralyze people and that he enjoys the killing. Kenshin... Um, asks if, uh, or basically says a great quote that says, if a man is, kills too many people, he loses his original purpose and has his heart stolen by the color and the smell of blood. A businessman, Tani Dono, hires goons uh, and police chief and Kenshin and Sanosuke to protect him. At midnight, the attack begins and Kamaya is revealed to be sleeping at the dojo and she cannot sleep and is worried about Kenshin. The guards all become paralyzed in a state of attack, and most of them are defeated. The police, um, you know, Kenshin and Sanosuke are all caught in this paralyzed stare that this mysterious assassin has. Uh, but Kenshin breaks out of the stare very easily, and he because he has the will to overpower it. Sanosuke begins attacking after he breaks free, but is seriously wounded by Kurogasa. Kurogasa retreats, but says he has changed his mind and will now go after Kenshin instead during the next day. Chapter 11. Kenshin knows that everyone that he loves is in danger unless he leaves, so he goes to the riverbank to escape and to get away from the harm. Kamaya wor is worried and chases after him and loans a ribbon to him so that he will know to come back to her after the fight. Oh, it is a very romantic scene. She basically confesses her feelings to him and says, you know, this is my ribbon. You know, I want you to come back to me because I'm all alone. Uh, Kurogasa appears, though, suddenly and kidnaps Kamaya, and he threatens Kenshin because he wants him to return to being the murderous assassin Potosi that he once was, and he thinks that if he kills this woman, Kamaya, uh, Kenshin will return to the, his evil ways. In Chapter 12, Kenshin tracks down and begins his assault, um, but his power is not at 100% of the attack of rage that Kurogasa wants. In the attack, Kenshin's shoulder is wounded badly, and his blood spills over the ribbon that he has kept for Kamaya. Kurogasa uses a powerful stare to attack on Kamaya so she can't breathe. Um, he does this because, again, Kenshin is holding back his true strength, and he wants Kenshin to defeat him quickly. 
In chapter 13, Kenshin uses a new type of attack we have not seen before called the Batojutsu dance stance or the quick strike stance. He only has one shot, and it's basically a powerful strike that can defeat anyone if it is done uh, as quick as possible and accurately as possible. If Kurogasa can dodge this attack, Kenshin will not be able to defend himself. Kenshin miss misses the attack with his sword, but is able to use the sheath as a blade to crush the sword hand of Kurogasa. Kurogasa demands that Kenshin kill him, as it is the only way for him to break the stair spell that is holding Kamaya hostage. Soon she will no longer be able to breathe, and you can witness her sweating profusely and struggling very quickly. At the last possible second, before she suffocates, Kamaya is able to break free of the spell and screams. Uh, Kurogasa is you know, not killed by Kenshin, and as a result, a reunion between Kenshin and Kamaya occurs. Um, and Kurogasa then decides that he will take his own life in the way a samurai does. And as he lays dying, he reveals that someone in the government hired him to kill Kenshin. Kurogasa says a Hitokuri assassin will always be what Kenshin is, and he will always be one. He tells Kenshin that he'll watch him in hell, and then he dies. And what is perhaps one of the most climatic villains I've seen yet in the series. Kenshin admits that Kamaya saved him, and then he returns the ribbon in a beautiful love scene, um, and then they go back to the dojo, and it's early morning when they arrive back. And so this sort of concludes the major arcs of Volume 2. I do have one more kind of bonus chapter, Chapter 15, in which starts our next adventure for Volume 3. Kenshin and Sanosuke go gambling together uh, with friends. Kenshin is able to read the dice and is therefore accurately able to win a bunch of money for Sanosuke. Um, but while they're doing this with friends, a woman runs up to Kenshin and asks for help because she's being chased by thugs. Uh, Sanosuke also happened to ask about a friend of his, who he soon learns has died of an opium overdose, as opium is starting to flood the market in the town. Uh, the woman who appears and asks for help says that she's being chased by uh, Takeda Kanru, who is a shady businessman who's most likely involved in the opium trade. The thugs that were hired show up and are easily defeated by Kenshin, but a third one appears and uses spiral darts to attack innocent people in the group. This enrages Sanosuke as these were mainly his friends, and he and Kenshin defeat the man who was using these new weapons. The woman then says that she can pay Kenshin, but she is not a prostitute, and when asked what her involvement was with this shady businessman, she basically drops to the floor by accident opium that she has stolen from this man, Kainru. And that is the end of Volume 2. Of course, it was beautiful, it was awesome. Uh, I love the cliffhanger at the ending there. Uh, but mainly what I like about this is that this villain, this new villain that we had through most of Volume 2 was incredible. I read most of that arc in like one day, so highly recommend it. Um, this was a very quick read. Love it very much. Um, I give this book a 5 out of 5. Um, so what I like about it, the combat, the stances, the you know attacking of the samurai, you know, kind of what I get out of all this is that samurai are incredibly powerful. They're almost superhuman, and they train and train and train, and Kenshin is perhaps one of the greatest I've ever seen as a samurai. So that is just my opinion, though. I don't know what you think, but I think Kenshin is one pure bona fide badass. So anyway, that's the end of this volume. Uh, 
Please keep posted for more podcasts soon. I plan on returning quickly with more and more books. Um, Thank you again for listening and sharing this podcast, and hope all of you have a great day.